1: I want to start off today's message with putting an image in the back that you will automatically probably get nervous, get a little bit nervous, okay? You, you might get a little butterflies if you see this image. The image is this. Anyone nervous right now, all right? I, I have to confess Every time I go to the eye doctor and I check my eyes, I get nervous. When I see this sign, I get nervous and I try to memorize. I'm like, man, that guy got to remember these lines. I feel like, I feel like it's a test. I don't want to fail. So it's like, I got to remember the line. But then I'm like, I'm not, I have to be hundred percent clear with what I see so that they can know where I'm at. But here, how many of you could relate? A little nervous, a little nervous. I know that I need my glasses. If I'm going on a road trip, like I definitely need my glasses to be able to see signs because if not, I'm pulling up like right underneath the sign like this. I was like, Donde miramos aquí? You know, like that. But let's see real quick. Who could see the top letter? You could say it. You could say it. E. The next line. You, You guys are doing pretty good so far. Next line. I have to say, for those watching through the live stream, if you're bringing the laptop closer to you while we're going through this, that's cheating, okay? All right, the next line. Next line. Next line. Next line. I know some of you are like, man, but it's like for those that are sitting in the front row, it's like, you know, you have extra advantage. All right, next line. It sounded a little confusing there a little bit. All right, the next line. How many of you gave up already? You just gave up. You're like, no, nah, I gave up after E. After E, I gave up. All right. How many of you could read the very last line? Jose, what was the last one? All right. Yeah, Jose. Jose is no joke. So guys, clap it up if you got the last line, F-D-F-L-T-C-K-D. If you got it, your vision is very good. Um, some of us, of course, we have assistants with glasses and contacts and different colored contacts and all this other stuff. We have our assistance to be able to see clearly. And of course, seeing clearly physically is very important. To be, able to be able to read signs, be able to drive, be able to get through life. But so many times we don't really focus on how we're doing seeing spiritually. Seeing spiritually is very important too, if not more important than seeing physically. And that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about here. Something that you might not know too is that, of course, we mentioned that some of us Um, you know, like our vision might not be the best. In case you don't know, 30% are nearsighted. 30% of people are nearsighted, 50% are farsighted. So physically speaking, there's these challenges that the population in general go through, but spiritually speaking, how I said, it's a more important topic for us to talk about. So as you know, we're going through the Bible this entire year, And just to go through it real quick, how many books are there in the Bible? 66 books in the Bible. How many of those books are in the Old Testament? Yo, Jose, you're on a roll today. Your vision is great, you know. 39, and how many in the New Testament? 27. So all of us all together, 66. Say it. That's how many books are in the Bible. Old Testament has, New Testament has 27. We've already gone through the books of the law, the books of history, the books of wisdom. And today we're stepping into the books of prophecy. Now, in total, there's five major prophets and 12 minor prophets. And we're starting with the first major prophet today, the prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is one of the longest, largest books in the Bible. It's, it has uh, so many different um, topics, you could say, that it covers in general, but in it is one of the most brilliant books that we could ever dive into. How I said, there's different, uh, it's compiled with different preaching, stories, prophecies, condemnations, and words of comfort and hope. There's going to be an image behind me. We're just going to highlight a couple of the main aspects of it. Type of book, prophecy, is right there. We already mentioned uh, before how many books there are in the Bible. Something that's interesting is that the book of Isaiah has 66 chapters, okay? 66 chapters, the same amount of um, books, you could say, that are in the Bible. There's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. Something that's really interesting, too, that there's two main themes in the book of Isaiah. There's a lot of different things that are mentioned, of course. But there's two main themes that we could really go into. And the first theme, you could find it in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, 39, sounds familiar? I think we've mentioned that number before too. The next 27 chapters of the book of Isaiah focuses on this other theme, okay? So there is similarities with that. And on top of that, the first 39 uh, books, they focus on condemnation and judgment. And the last 27 Chapters of Isaiah focuses on salvation and redemption. So there's similarities that you could see there with the chapters that you have in the book of Isaiah with the Bible as a whole. Something interesting how I mentioned with the 39 39 chapters in the beginning with judgment and condemnation. It was uh, for the northern and southern kingdom for the northern and southern kingdom, and also for other countries as well. So when Isaiah stepped into the scene, the date uh, written, 700 to 680 BC, when Isaiah stepped in the scene, you could say during that time, the northern kingdom hasn't been taken over yet. Who ended up taking over the northern kingdom and brought them into exile? The Assyrians, the northern kingdom. And in the northern kingdom, how many tribes are there? In the northern kingdom, there's 10 tribes, and they ended up being taken by the Assyrians. The southern kingdom has two tribes, and they ended up being taken by the Babylonians. So there you see, and Isaiah ended up stepping into the scene as a prophet, Right before the northern kingdom got captured. So I just want you to think of and understand, like, the timeline of things of when Isaiah stepped into the scene. The period it covered 700 BC to 25 AD. So um, there you can see the period it covers, it's, it's much greater. And the reason why is in the book of Isaiah, we will find many moments where it talks about Jesus. So all of a sudden, there is a book that's written 700, at least 700 years before Jesus came onto the scene, and there's things written in this book concerning, uh, concerning uh, Jesus and what, what's to take place. The author is the prophet Isaiah. I know that there's a talk where some people say maybe some of his um, students might have continued reading, uh, writing the second half or added more um, to it. But the interpretation that I see and I believe is that Isaiah wrote the entire book um, simply because even in the New Testament, when Isaiah is quoted, they quote Isaiah as the writer. So here, I mentioned before about vision. Isaiah was a prophet. And I know we're talking about physical um, vision. Here, spiritually speaking, Isaiah was able to see things, you could say. God revealed things to him like that were going to happen, not just during that time period. A prophet doesn't just mention what's going to take place in the future. A prophet confronts you with truth on what's happening today. So they might look you in the eye and be like, look, what you're doing is wrong. You got to repent and turn to God. But besides that, Isaiah also spoke what was going to happen in the future. And, of, and not just the near future, but the far future as well. So here you have an example of someone that looks spiritually, his vision is intact. And I wonder today, spiritually speaking, how your vision is. I know in the beginning, we did a test to see physically if you're able to see those letters. But if God would be here and do a test spiritually to know how your vision is, because so many of us are just caught up in the daily routine, there has to be something more to life than waking up in the morning drinking your cafecito with your empanada, going to work, coming home. Like there has to be more to life than all of that. And of course there is, but we miss it. God wants to reveal things to us And what he wants us to do, but we miss it because we're distracted by life. We're distracted by our job. We're distracted by our busyness. We're distracted by social media. We're distracted even by good things. Even our family distracts us. Our hobbies distract us. So many different things distract us from taking that moment saying, "How how is our vision doing spiritually? Because if you don't see what God is doing, you're missing the reason why you're here. Okay? You're missing the reason why you're here. So so many times we turn to God, and I've said this before, we tell God pretty much, God, bless what I'm planning to do, what you're planning to do. It's like, God, this is what I'm going to do. Please bless it. Instead of turning to God be like, God, what do you want me to do? What are you doing that I could be a part of so that I could walk according to what you're trying to accomplish in this world? You know, it's amazing when God sees everything, he doesn't see things just in the moment. He sees the whole big picture. And if there's anyone that you would want to help guide you in your life, it should be God. In Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 through 10, It says this, it says, remember this, keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there's no other. I am God and there's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning From ancient times, what is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. I don't know about you, but that verse just seeing God's heart, his power, his authority, the fact that he's sitting on the throne. The fact that he's gonna accomplish what he's gonna accomplish, and he sees the end as if it's the beginning. So there's nothing that we could do that's gonna surprise God or scare God or like make him tremble in fear. Not at all. God is God sitting on his throne in power. So something that we really have to think about are we serving the God of the Bible? Or are we serving the God that we've created out of convenience in our own mind and heart? So many times we create the God that we want. We create the God that is okay with the sin that we allow to be in our lives. We create the God that it's okay for us not to use our gifts and talents to advance God's kingdom. We, we're, we create the God that's okay for us not to be committed and dedicated to him. We create the God that's okay for us not to serve him and to be holy and be separate and to honor him in all things. We create a God that is pretty much okay for us to do whatever we want, whatever we want, and just expect God to be okay with it. So, as much as we say that God is our God, is it the God of the Bible or is it the God that you've created? Because so many times we create our own gods out of comfort, out of convenience, simply because we don't want to do our part in what it means to surrender everything to him. Something that's so powerful I mentioned before about those Jesus moments too. And I, when I see this, I see God's power. I see how God works. I see how God, he, when he sees and he speaks, He's not just thinking about today. He's not just thinking about our lifetime. He sees generations past us. So many times God speaks to you, and it's not really directed to you, but it's for your children, your children's children. He's giving you pretty much insight and revelation of what's going to take place in the future. And here we see this because God speaks through Isaiah, and he's revealing Isaiah What's going to take place 700 years later? 700 years later. Of course, Isaiah didn't know when this was going to take place, but how he was obedient, he would write it down. And I know that these are verses that you've um, heard of. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel that was 700 years before Jesus came onto the scene here is Isaiah in the midst of what was happening at that time despite of the judgment and condemnation of the sin that was taking place god was still Painting the picture of the hope that was to come. Because God always brings hope in the midst of whatever we're going through. And even now, there's gonna be a video that's gonna be played behind me. And this video is gonna capture a chapter in Isaiah 53, a chapter in Isaiah. And as you see this video, I want you to listen closely to the Word. If you have the Bible in front of you, you could open it. You could read along as you listen to it. But I want you to see and listen to how powerful it is that Isaiah is speaking about something that's ha- going to happen way into the future, but it's almost as if he's standing at the foot of the cross and seeing Jesus there before us. Watch. That's Isaiah 53. And when you hear that, who does it highlight? From the beginning to the end. And of course, it was more for you to listen and for you to read along if you had it in front of you. But it's crystal clear that Jesus is highlighted there in that whole chapter. So it, to me, it's so powerful to know this next principle God always has a plan even when we can't see it. God always has a plan. Our problem is that we always want to know all the details and sometimes he doesn't share with us all the details, but God always has a plan. For those of you that are parents, you don't give all the details to your children. And when you're planning something, but you have a plan, you plan on what you're going to do the same way God always has a plan. That's why we could trust him. No matter what's happening in your life right now, no matter what's happening. I know right now, this moment, there's so many different circumstances in this room. Some of us are struggling with depression. Some of us are wondering how we're going to pay like our next bills. Some of us just feel overwhelmed with what's happening at work or with our family or with life in general. No matter what's happening in our life, God has a plan. God has a plan. And it's one of those things, are we going to trust him? Trust him. No matter the way that everything looks around you, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the voices are saying, no matter what the doctor has told you, no matter what everyone around you has been commenting, what is the voice that you're going to trust the most? Is it going to be God? Is it going to be God? Some of us in this room, we feel completely lonely. Like we might be married and feel lonely. You might be like living in a house with tons of family members, but still feel lonely. The reality is that we need to trust God in the middle of whatever we're going through with our lives. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Isaiah, even though we don't know too much information about him. Here we have a book, a marvelous book, that you see how God used them powerfully, but there's not too much information about Isaiah personally, personally. His dad's name is mentioned, but we don't know anything about his dad. We don't know too much about Isaiah at all. All we do know is that he had connections. It's believed that he was part of the royal family because he had access to the king's. He was able to go and speak to the kings pretty much whenever he wanted to. And we already know that that's usually not what takes place. So we believe uh, pretty much that he was part of the royal family and that he had connections. He was pretty much able to speak to um, everyone. Also, we know through scripture that he pretty much uh, prophesied and ministered during four kings altogether. In total, about 50 years of ministry, Isaiah had. And you know what's amazing for us to think about too? Is just the fact that even though we don't know much about Isaiah, the impact, the impact that Isaiah has had through being used by God has been eternal. Eternal. God has used them powerfully because he obeyed him. He followed him. And literally God used them in a way that even though how many generations past he lived, even today, here we are sharing the words that God revealed to him here in church, knowing that it's the word of God. I have news for all of us here. And it's not to make us sad in any way, shape or form. But 200 years from now, if Jesus doesn't come back before then, we're not going to really, not too many people are going to be remembering us. That's just a reality. So 100 years from now, 200 years from now, we're not going to be in the thoughts and minds of people in general. We're going to be a distant memory, maybe a picture, and maybe stories told in the family. But that's pretty much it when it comes to the physical sense, but the eternal impact that you could have when you live for God and you obey God, it's going to be felt for generations to come and it's eternal, transforming lives even today. And I don't know about you, but I want to be remembered as in heaven, not because I know on earth, I'll be forgotten on earth, two, 300 years, you know, it's, 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 you move on, like in life and people forget but the impact is the most important thing because here's Isaiah as a perfect example we don't have details about Isaiah's life personally but the impact that he's made is eternal and i know deep down inside of each one of our hearts we want to we know life is short we want to be used by God and create an impact that's going to be felt for generations to come. But the impact that's eternal is when you serve God and obey God and do what God's called you to do. That's the eternal impact. And each of each of us, God is calling us to be a part of what he is doing. Because God is writing his story. Even though the Bible's written, his story is still unfolding. His story is still unfolding. And we could be a part of his story. But so many times we want to create our own little stories, thinking that what we do away from God matters. But the reality is, in the end of the day, what matters most, and the only thing that's going to matter, is what we do for God and the impact that we have with him as he uses us. Something, too, about Isaiah, and this is tradition. This is tradition. This isn't in the Bible. Is It's believed that he was martyred. He was killed. They pretty much took a tree that was empty inside and put him in the tree, and they sawed him in half. That's the tradition that says that. Something interesting about the book of Isaiah is the second most quoted book in the New Testament. Fifty-five times is quoted in a New Testament moment where Isaiah is mentioned. And I know you've read it. One of, uh, I'm going to mention two of them. John chapter 1, verses 23, referring to John the, ba- John the Baptist. It says here, um, uh, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Here is quoting Isaiah 40 verse 3. Another very special moment is Luke chapter 4 verses 16 to 21. Now remember how I told you Isaiah wrote these things 700 years before Jesus was born. It says this, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, referring to Jesus. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, something that's so powerful is what happened next. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now, imagine if you could have been there at that moment just to hear this. It says, the eyes, well, it says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus finished reading Isaiah. It's from Isaiah chapter 61, a prophetic word about him, him standing and then reading Isaiah 61, then sitting down looking at everyone, everybody's staring at him. And he said, you know what, guys? Today, what the prophet said 700 years ago, it's come to fulfillment with what I'm doing right now. That's what Jesus said. And here, uh, the principle I want us to highlight is this. God's word is alive and active yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today and forever. Now, I know if I would ask you that, uh, uh, the question, how many of you want to hear from God? All, most of your hands want to go up. How many of you want to hear from God? You can raise your hand. All right, now imagine if tonight you hear from God the way Isaiah heard from God in Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, that's where we're going to go. Verses 1 through 8, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, this is the prophet Isaiah saying, I saw the Lord. And it's going to sound familiar because there's worship songs that we sing that's highlighted in some of these parts as well. It says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on his throne. And I just want to pause real quick. It just mentioned that King Josiah died. Let me tell you, doesn't matter what happens on earth, nothing is going to stop or make God, like, surprise God or um, make God shake in his throne, like, kind of like being nervous. Nothing at all. God is king on his throne, no matter what's happening in life and no matter what's happening in this world. So it says this. It says, high and exalted seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. And with two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is fill, is full of his glory. So even right now, with everyone here, I want us in the count of three just to say that statement because you see that, that statement is what is being heard in heaven and we will be echoing what's being said in the throne room of heaven as we say it too. So right now in the count of three, one, two, three, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cry. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I li- live among the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. At that moment, I, now mind you, Isaiah was a man of God. You know, he, you know, it's not like this isn't a person that, you know, it's like living, rejecting God, having his own way and stuff. He's a man of God and he saw his sinfulness before God's presence. He's like, woe is me. Like, I cannot even be before you. And then here, he, he pretty much said, he pretty much said, I am ruined. I am ruined. And then starting in verse 6, it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar, the altar of sacrifice, the altar of the sacrifice that had to be made for our sins. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. That is probably one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Like when you just look at what's happening there. Here is a man of God coming before God's presence, realizing that he's ruined. It's like here, if you think you have it all together, that there's no sin in your life or this or that, or you could stand before God's presence, let me tell you, we're all sinful. We're all falling short. And we all have to be under God's grace and his blood for forgiveness because we cannot stand before a holy God without Jesus's blood, without his forgiveness. It's impossible. And then here also, after the sin was taken care of, then God, God said, whom shall I send? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? God is literally saying, who wants to be a part of what I'm doing? Who's willing to be a part of my agenda instead of your to-do list? Instead of your agenda where you want to get done, who wants to be a part of what heaven is doing? because heaven has a plan. Heaven has a mission. Heaven is trying to accomplish things. Who will we send? Then Isaiah. Isaiah pretty much just said, here I am. Send me. What a simple prayer. But let me tell you something. The book of Isaiah would have never been written if Isaiah would have said something different. What we read in the book of Isaiah is pretty much the fulfillment of his obedience following God and his will. If Isaiah would have said, God, you know, take my wife, take, take, take my family member, take, take uh, my neighbor, I don't want to do it. If Isaiah would have came up with excuses, I'm not ready, God. Or if Isaiah said, no, I have to, I'm too busy at work, or no, I'm too busy with life. Or I'm too busy with all this. No, God, I I can't do what you want me to do. If Isaiah would have said all those things, the book of Isaiah would have not been written. We wouldn't see the impact of Isaiah. And I guarantee you that we wouldn't even know his name. Remember how we were saying, who's going to remember our name 200, 300 years from now? Isaiah, we know who Isaiah is because he, we don't know details of his life, but we see the impact of his life being obedient to God for generations to come. But if Isaiah would have said no, the chances are we would have never, never, well, we wouldn't have the book of Isaiah, and we would have not seen the impact through his life. But let me tell you something. If we're not obedient to what God wants to do, God will raise up other people. God's mission will never end and he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish, but he gives us the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing, and there's no greater honor or privilege. The principle behind me is God is always looking for people to decide to be a part of what he is doing. How do you respond to God? How do you respond to God? Would you respond the same way? Here I am, send me. It's going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you everything. It cost Isaiah's whole life. He ended up getting killed by tradition because of his obedience to God. Are you willing to lay down everything? Is like, God, whatever you have for me, that's what I want to do. And as you choose to surrender everything, one of the main things we have to do is surrender our hearts and give him everything. We can't entertain sin. We can't allow impurities and other things in our lives that don't belong being there. Right in the beginning, you were thinking about what are things in your life that you know God does of. Those things have to go. God wants to transform us. Before Isaiah was able to be sent, they had to deal with the sin in his life at that moment. For each of us, none of us are perfect, but I've always said that there's a big difference between someone that runs after God, slips and falls, goes before the cross, receives forgiveness, and keeps running compared to someone that has sin in their life and entertains it and welcomes it and rejects God and just continue to follow other things, other gods, other idols. And when I say other gods and other idols, you might be thinking it's like, well, I don't worship any other god. Anything that you put before God, it's an idol. It's another God. Anything. Anything. If you put your family before God, you're idolizing your family. And your family is a good thing, but it should never come before God. If you put your job before God, you've made your job an idol. If you put your career, your education before God, you put that as an idol. If you put a relationship before God, you put that as an idol. If you put your wife or your husband before God, you're idolizing them. Whatever you do, material things, money, whatever you're chasing after, power, fame, whatever it is, whatever it is, anything that comes before God is an idol. Something, one of the major themes in the book of Isaiah, I told you the main two themes as the book is divided, but one of the, another major theme is this. um, God, it's going to be a slide uh, behind me. God will purify us from everything in our lives that he disapproves of. He'll purify us from everything in our lives that he disapproves us. And I'm just going to read two uh, more verses from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25, it says this, I I will turn my hand against you. On a side note, I never want God's hand to be against me. I, I could tolerate anyone else's hand to be against me. Not God's hand to be against me. I will turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all of your impurities. Why did God allow for the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom to be exiled? It's because they weren't following him. They weren't obeying him. They were rejecting him. They turned their backs on him. And God is like, you know what? I'm going to turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your, impur- uh, your impurities. In Isaiah 48, verse 9 through 11, it says this. For my own sake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I'll hold it back from you so as not to destroy you completely. See, I have refined you. Though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. The furnace of affliction. Here, God is saying, hey, there's going to be a testing. And when God tests, tests us, it's not like a teacher tests us. It's not about like a grade or anything like that. It's pretty much to help remove things that don't belong. God allows certain afflictions to be part of our lives. So many of us, whenever an some type of affliction happens to us, what's our first reaction? Be Like, God, take away the affliction. And God is like, I put you in the furnace of affliction. I put you in this time period to take out the impurities, the things that need to change. There's certain things in your life that has to change. And sometimes we pray to God to remove things, but God has allowed it for specific reasons that we might not understand. And sometimes we're so so quick to blame the devil. Sometimes we're so quick to blame other people. But in reality, God has allowed it. For a greater purpose. I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, Pastor Carlos, that's the Old Testament. That's Isaiah. That's, you know, we're under grace. You know, we, you know, it's okay. You know, we could do whatever we want. You know, God, Jesus died on the cross. The blood forgi- uh, you know, like God forgives us. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7, it says this, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. It sounds like a furnace of affliction. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, it says this. Jesus said this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. That word pure means to be refined and the impurities be taken away. That word pure means not to be mixed with things that don't belong. And here Jesus saying, you know what? Blessed are the pure in heart, those that take away everything in their lives that don't belong. Those have decided to allow me to be, to refine them, to take away the things that don't belong so that they could become more like me because they'll be able to see me. You want to see God more Clearly. You want your vision spiritually to be intact and be able to see what God is doing in your life and what God is doing around you so you could hear his voice like never before. You need to remove the things that don't belong, remove the distractions, everything that you know that you've been entertaining, keeping, that does not belong. Now there's going to be a song, a worship song that's going to be behind. And this is now your time period. This is your time period, almost how um, God said to Isaiah, you know, whom shall I send? You know, like, who's going to be there for me? It's your time period to come before God and tell God to refine you, to take away. The altar is going to be open. You could come forward. But this is between you and God. Don't worry about anyone else. Because one day you'll be standing before God and no one else will be side by side with you. You got to answer for yourself. Here there's gonna be the, the worship song, and there's gonna also be some other Bible verses on the side that you could read as well. Yes, God. Father God, as we're here as a church, we even why don't we stand to our feet as we close in prayer? Today we're celebrating. Pentecost as well, recognizing that 50 days after Jesus resurrected, God poured down his presence, but he poured down his presence to live within us. But we want to make sure that where God lives within our hearts and mind, it's a holy place, a purified place, a place that we don't allow anything that doesn't belong in. So Father God, right now, as a family, we ask you, God, to remove everything within our lives that does not belong. We give you permission, God, to tear down every wall, to remove every room that you would break every stronghold, every addiction, anything, any thought pattern, any mindset, anything that does not belong and doesn't make you feel at home within our hearts and mind, God. We give you permission to tear it all apart right now, remove it, God, completely God, out of our lives. God, we just want to be a vessel for you. So even now, as we close this service, as our hands are lifted high in surrender, Holy Spirit, as we celebrate Pentecost, the day that you came and you pretty much were poured out in so many lives, God, we ask you that you would fill us afresh even at this moment. That your presence would saturate every single person here, God. As we hear your whisper, who whom shall we send, God? And as you hear the response saying, Send me, God, I pray that you would pour your presence upon every single person, Lord God, setting them free, Lord God, delivering them, God, empowering them, God, giving them new vision, Lord God, so that spiritually they could see what you're doing, God. Reveal to them what you're doing in their lives, in their family, what you, the plans that you have for them, Lord God. That day, that today would be a day, God, of transformation. A day of transformation. That today we would draw the line on the sand and say that we're tired of playing games. That we're tired of pretty much chasing and following our version of you. But God, we want to follow you, God, the real God, the God that is expressed in the Bible, the God that we know from the Bible, God. God, we just surrender everything to you, God, knowing that you are the one that's going to take our lives. You're the one that's going to continue to write the story that you're doing. You're the one that's going to bring purpose and meaning to each one of us, that literally our lives would be impacting others for generations to come, way beyond what we could live simply because today we said, send me. So God, we just surrender everything in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you very much. We'll see you this Wednesday for family night. God bless.
0: Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.